Hey, what's up, everybody? So, so, thanks for coming the coolest in the city. That's in the city. I mean, officially, neighborhood and Hollywood. Welcome to Naval Studios Podcast. I'm your host, Soso Banks. Everyone else calls me Nanga Amso. Shout out to all the ladies in the place with style and grace. What came as a surprise to me was the amount of ladies that tuned in. I love that. You know, I'm an avid hip-hop listener, but this isn't a predominantly hip-hop podcast. I love watching movies, documentaries, interviews, acceptance speeches. So when I'm done watching a movie... I'll check the credits for the music supervisor who did the score for this movie, if I love it. You know, speaking of documentaries, there's a Milli Vanilli documentary out. Very informative. Nine minutes in, they're talking about what makes a pop star in terms of looks. And one thing they pointed out was hair. So now hair, you think Michael Jackson, Beyonce, Elvis Presley, you know, Diana Ross. You think Moonchild Sinelli, you know. Um, but this duo, one thing or two things rather that happened with them is that like they never read the recording contract. It was in German and they got in advance. So it's compromise of two dancers, um, two guys, the two dancers. So one is from Paris, Fab moves to Germany where he finds Rob. They both have different accents. One is French, one is German. So these guys, essentially, they're lip-syncing English songs, you know. So now in Germany, they meet a producer called Frank Ferrian. And this guy built his machine where people were going to studio to record songs for the duo, you know. So like vocalists and session musicians without the duo. So now... They sign with Arista Records in the States because now they're big. The duo's big, you know. So they sign with Arista Records. Arista at the time is headed by Clive Davis. You hear the name Clive Davis, you think Whitney Houston, you think RCA Records. So at this point, they're huge. Big mistake. Big mistake. They're huge. So how this guy would work, the producer now that's in Germany, is that he'd get people in studio, like vocalists, like at different times. So the others would leave through the basement, the others would leave through the back door of the house type of thing, you know, so that they don't catch on what he's doing and where these songs are going, you know. So here's the fall of Milli Vanilli, rather unfortunate also. So one of the lead singers exposed them but no one took him seriously, you know, because these guys are like crazy huge, like all over the world, they're huge, you know. So Rob and Fab wanted to, you know, really sing on songs now at this point. And then, but they couldn't because like they're not gifted with the voice of singing. Like they aren't singing niggas. They are dancers, you know. So that's how the producer's thing also worked, you know. Because these guys are like dancers. So now the streets are talking, but it's like murmurs. Like no one is really saying anything about it. And then eventually they had a fallout with the producer from Germany because of their recording contract. And then he exposed the truth. Then they had to give back their Grammy. That's how far it went. 
So this producer had like um, a reputation already where he'd do that with like groups. Like I think he had about two before Milli Vanilli and then more afterwards as well. And so the backlash was like so bad that one of the guys committed suicide. Like one of the guys in the duo committed suicide. But it was crazy, bro. Like the way no one caught on. Like the machine was working. The machine was working. So guys, read, read, read. You're recording contracts, you know. But this is like a super, super informative documentary. It's like one of the craziest stories in the music industry ever. You know, because if you can do that <laughs> for so many years, what else are other people not doing? But I'd also then love to, you know, segue this to, since these guys were lip syncing, you know, so even on liner notes, they weren't on liner notes of their biggest album. They weren't on the liner notes um, on the vinyl on the vinyl one, yeah. They weren't on the liner, um, liner notes there. So I want to segue this to artists performing over their vocals at like concerts and festivals. You know, um, a few people in the entertainment space have been long-winded rather when it comes to this conversation or relaying it. Uh, Wallow has voiced it, Wallow for, from Gillian Wallow. Offset has voiced it, um, Alchemist has voiced it, and Earl Sweatshirt as well. Like, Earl Sweatshirt and Alchemist were, like, straight up with it. Um, I forgot what interview they were doing, but they spoke about it. So some people may call it amateur hour. Some say, yo, we're not at karaoke night. Like, come on. So one thing I also noticed was that the locks versus... Dipset versus Jada Kiss dissed the Dipset guys for not knowing their lyrics. Like, if 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 you guys can go back to that, or if you know, like, the memes, there were memes circulating as well, you know? So, and, like, to be honest, I hate that shit too. Like, I hate it too. Like, I paid to come watch you perform. So, like, give me something. Give me something. You know what I'm saying? Like, everyone has a problem with this. And, and, and we say it with so much, you know, grace and respect. Like, yo, please give us something. Give us something. Like, don't perform over your vocals at concerts, at festivals. Wherever you're booked as an artist, please don't do that. Like, I think people have been, you know, voicing it in a sense that there's a a shift that's happening in the music space, but it's the long and short of it is that artists need to stop performing over their vocals. Like one artist that I noticed that does this or is on his way to becoming a great performer, I've never seen Offset live, but him and um, him and, and Tyler, the creator, Tyson Cybertelli, also here from SA. They are, I'm like, the few people that I've noticed that, you know, they are 
perfecting their craft, so to say, you know. And it's like such an unpleasant listening experience as a music consumer. So like rehearse your set, not only the day of the show, but like days prior as well. Like let that be part of your, you know, schedule as an artist. Um, like familiarize yourself with your breath control, your stage presence, like please do that. And one of the ways to improve that is not by cuffing your mic and like mix your songs while get TV tracks. So TV track, it's the instrumental, it's the ad-libs, it's the hook of the song. So like do that as time goes by, you know, if you're starting out, do that, please. Like Tyson Cybertelli did this so well at his listening, um, was his listening session with the Sobeam podcast of his um, EP present with the song No Comment. Like that was, that was, that was my, that was my thing. I was like, damn, this thing sounds insane. Like I love the way he did that. I love the way he did that. I won't lie. And then we'll speak about the elephant in the room, which is the Grammys. The Grammys. I'm so, man, I'm so mad Calvin Momo didn't submit. Like, And if he did submit, then my bad, OG. My bad, OG. Like, I'm so mad Calvin Momo didn't submit. So the Grammy nominations were announced last week, Friday. I feel like Calvin Momo should have submitted for Amagilani. That's that's a fire album. Oh my god. Oh my god. Like that's his best work so far for me personally. I just have to put that out there. So for like I think I'm being ambitious right now, but I believe that like I believe in that album's grind. Like I believe in Calvin Momo's grind, you know? And I also feel like Uncle Waffles got snubbed. More or less. Like, low-key, yeah, I know, low-key she got snubbed. Low-key she got snubbed. You know, point blank, period, like a city girl. Word to Drizzy. Um, I want to say, in her being snubbed, I feel like Red Dragon was before its time. I feel like Red Dragon was before its time. But then she dropped uh, Solace and Asylum like five months apart. So that's like hard work. Props to Uncle Waffles, you know. With the Grammys, like with the conversations that have been going on regarding the Grammys, I would say that there aren't, if any, people of our kind in the Recording Academy's rooms, man, like... And I say that because you can tell from the process starting at the submission to the screening to nomination, there's something missing, you know. Um, there's so many genres in the best African music performance category. It, like, I feel like it needs more guidance, so to say. But like, shout out to, I want to send a shout out to the pioneers of the best African music performance category, like the guys that put that together. I just can't get to their names now, but shout out to them. They did something 
huge, like it's a major step in the right direction. Um, so I'll speak on the Grammy snubs or the categories. Her loss is scooping all of the awards. That's me personally. That's how I feel. If Basiria's at the recording Academy, I have a theory that Killer Mike might win. Like, if Basiria's, then her loss will win. But I feel like Killer Mike might win. You know, uh, Doja Cat got snubbed for Record of the Year. I think she should have been nominated for that. They did my nigga gonna dirty, man. They did my nigga gonna dirty. I'll stop there. Also, one of the producers, Baniacs, he worked with Drake a lot. I think it was for for all the dogs he worked on that too. And um, for his tour, he should have been nominated. But on a much more positive note, shout out to Victoria Monet. The VMAs tried to play with her, by the way. And then God said, not on my watch. Not on my watch. So I love seeing people get their flowers in real time. Jaguar 2 is a solid body of work. Cadillac, Kapim's Anthem is my favorite song on there. Like, I want to listen to that song over Dolby Atmos speakers, like in a studio that has Dolby Atmos speakers. That would be, man, it would be life-changing in some way or another, you know. Um, R&B is in such a good space, man. R&B is in such a good space. The R&B scene, especially when you look at the Grammys' best progressive album, R&B album, and um, best engineered album. I love, I love, I love the space R&B is in. You know, a few things I found out about the Grammys is that, you know, after the the show, the live show of the nominations, I went to go check, like, the process of, like, starting from getting an entry. Man, I feel like you have to be meticulous from the beginning. Like, you can't miss anything, you know. So there are, like, 14,000 voters that are music industry professionals. There are over, like, 22,000 entries a year or close to 22,000. And then, like, as an artist, you have to be known. So you have to travel a lot. You have to tour a lot. You have, like, your social media needs to be up to par. Like, the brief to the Grammy community is, like, they have to vote on quality. So, like, alone. So they do not listen to social media. They aren't high beasts. Like, it's not a popularity contest. So quality of the music, number one. And the crazy part is that no one knows who the 14,000, you know, voters are. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy, you know. So we'll then go over new music. Well, I listened to Look It Up's album and Ryan Trey's album. Look, there's too much music coming out every Friday. Like, there's way too much. Way too much. I saw a friend of mine also complaining that, like, she can't keep up and whatnot. I was like... Man, it's all of us. Song, we can't keep up, you know. But um, I love music, so I'm not complaining, you know. But there's just way too much music coming out every Friday. So Look It Up's um, dropped his album, Son of Joy. I like this new sound. I wouldn't say it's unlike him, because if you've listened to Look It Up's over the years, you can tell that it's a direction that he was going to take eventually. I'm interested in the visual treatment of the album like ups is very artsy like he's very artsy as an artist you know so i don't want to i also don't want to call it a hip-hop album like it's not a hip-hop album bro like it's not a hip-hop album like this is a different pocket yes he's a, a hip-hop artist but i don't feel like it's a hip-hop album you know um 
two years ago, he dropped Loma Langa. I love that song. I love that song. Like, that's when I could tell about, okay, cool. Okay, cool. He's tapping into different pockets now as an artist, you know, so I love, I love Son of Joy. It's a good album. Like, well done, Apps. Well done, well done, well done. And then Ryan Trey also dropped a new album. Like, Ryan Trey comes from the school of Bryson Tiller. Like, Bryson Tiller gave him cosign as, as, like, as he made his way into mainstream. That Bryson Tiller cosign was very, very important. And the song as well. Fire song. It's a fire song. The production on this album is amazing. Like, as a trap soul artist, I feel like you can't miss in terms of production. Like, you can't miss. You know, so... Sonically, it's a very good album. Ryan Trey is like, if Party Next Door and Bryson Tiller had a kid, musically, you know? So, now personally, I like his previous album, A 40, A 64 East Saga. Like, that's, 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 that's my favorite project from Ryan Trey. Um, I'm not feeling this one very much, but... Production-wise, yeah, no, he got it, man. He got it. So um, that's about it, you know, for episode three. Shout out to all the ladies in the place with Style and Grace. Shout out. <laughs>